0: Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space. Add Buzzsprout and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Barefooting with Sierra. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. In this episode, I interviewed Kira Venable of Lavender Meadows Co. I'm going to break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I will give you updates on what I'm working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon let's get started first up novels that flash fiction i wrote yesterday seems to have done the trick i was able to breeze through my daily word count goal for my post bellum romance novel today and i have a strong idea of where this chapter is going i like how the characters are developing and the family relationships i'm building for them i'm forcing character development by sticking them adjacent to major historical events like the great chicago fire to see how the characters will react and it's a really helpful exercise It's going to give me some great stuff to have flashbacks to when I do the eventual rewrite. I'm writing the first draft in chronological order, and really getting to know the characters, knowing that I can go back and create stronger writing in later drafts. It's a lot harder to create strong characters after the fact than it is to fix weak writing with strong characters holding it up. My third novel, Red 72 Exodus, is available as a free ebook on Amazon through February 8th. Make sure you grab it while it's free! This is the third book in my Red 72 series, and it will make more sense if you've read Red 72 and Red 72 Genesis before you start this one, but it functions well enough as a standalone that you don't absolutely have to have read those for it to work. In novel news today, Netflix's Bridgerton series, based on the novels by Julia Quinn, are sparking an interest in romance novels for people who have never read them before. Literary experts are calling it the Bridgerton Effect. Tessa Dare, a New York Times best-selling historical romance author, Told CNN, quote, The past year has been so difficult for everyone. Collectively, we need a mass infusion of joy. If the world can agree on nothing else, at least 63 million households can celebrate the Duke of Hastings perfectly arched eyebrow. Perhaps that need for collective joy during the worst year in collective memory is what surged Bridgerton to the number one most streamed spot on Netflix. Or perhaps it's something more. Society is primed to view anything produced by women for women as lesser, said Dare, and there's always been an assumption that romance is frivolous, poorly wit- written, and holds little appeal for men. Bridgerton's success is proving all those assumptions false. And all those new Bridgerton fans are getting their next fix in the romance genre. Officials in India have charged Rituraj Singh with the January 12th killing of Indigo Airlines official Rupesh Kumar Singh. When they raided Ritaraj Singh's home, they were surprised to find a large collection of non-fiction books, novels, and plays. The stereotype in India is that only uneducated people commit crimes. His family cannot understand what would have motivated him to commit the murder. Police believe Ritaraj acted out of revenge for a previous motor vehicle incident and premeditated the attack. Now on to comics. I saw so many pictures of cute cats doing the long arms challenge that I just had to make a comic about it. Check out today's comic of Petunia doing the long arm challenge on my comics Instagram at World of Possums. In comic news today, spoiler alert, WandaVision episode 5 spoilers ahead. Skip ahead about 30 seconds if you do not want spoilers. Okay, in episode 5 of WandaVision, Wanda and Vision's twins, Billy and Tommy, find a dog and convince their parents to let them keep it. After a close encounter with an electrical outlet, they decide to name him Sparky. This is a reference to Vision's android dog in the 2016 Vision Number 6. And this is the third canine character introduced into the MCU from the comics. Alright, next up is journalism. Every day in February, I'm going to be highlighting one influential Black History figure. Today's Black History Month highlight is Gion Stewart Bluford Jr., the first African American in space. The first person of African descent in space was Cuban cosmonaut Arnaldo Tamayo Mendez. Blueford was born on the 22nd of November 1942 in Philadelphia. He graduated from Overbrook High School in 1960, then studied aerospace engineering at Pennsylvania State University. After receiving his degree in 1965, he enlisted in the Air Force and started pilot training at Williams Air Force Base. He later went on to get a master's and a doctorate in aerospace engineering from the U.S. Air Force Institute of Technology and a master's of business administration from the University of Houston-Clear Lake. Blueford was selected for astronaut training in 1978. His first mission, STS-8, launched on the 30th of August 1983 from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. He did four total missions for NASA, retiring from the Air Force in 1993, and has logged 688 hours in space. He is now president of the engineering consulting firm Aerospace Technology. And now for today's interview with Kira Venable of Lavender Meadows Co. Hi, Kira, and thanks for joining me on the show. Please tell the listeners where you're from, about yourself, and what you do.
1: Hey, Sierra. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I am Kira, like you said, and I live in a small town called Medina, Tennessee. And we moved here so that my husband, Scott, uh, could go to nurse anesthetist school. So we'll be here for the next few years. Um, I am a mom. So I have a 22 month old son. And earlier last year, I decided to open like a little Etsy shop. And I began to sell skincare just as a fun side job. And then six months later, I quit my job as a marketing director and decided to do that full time. So now I work from home and I create these handcrafted, skincare, and um I also just managed the company which is Lavender Meadows Co. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Awesome. So how did you come up with the idea to start Lavender Meadows?
1: Um so it all started with just this simple product. It was a roll-on lotion and it was they didn't do well. <laughs> so I was obsessed with it because it just rolled right onto the skin and I thought the application was so cool, but I didn't really look at like what people wanted. Um, and so after kind of failing at that for a month, I looked at what other companies were doing to sell their lotion. And I realized that there's this huge trend right now with green beauty and non-toxic organic skincare. So I decided to go more in that direction and make that a focus in my company. And then at that time, I, I'd always had really bad skin. Like I'd always had acne and different issues going on. And then my son, he also had really bad eczema. So I decided, well, I'm just going to start by um, once I got the lotion down, I thought, well, I'm going to fix my own skincare concerns. And also my son's while I'm at it. And so that's kind of where the rest of the products began to take form and that's where the company started to grow
0: got it so um, for those who don't know what is a roll-on lotion
1: oh so <laughs> it is this device which i had to find the right device which i ordered from china and um it's a tube and it has like a little roller ball on the top of it um you see a lot of the glass roller balls um, for like essential oils and different things. So it's like a bigger version of that. Um, and so it would just kind of ap- apply the l- lotion smoothly. But like I said, I ended up just completely ditching the idea, which is crazy. Cause that's what the wh- whole reason I started anyway, but yeah, so it, it was nice, but I don't think everyone saw the same vision I did.
0: <laughs> so almost like a lip gloss, but for lotion.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So how did you overcome having your product, your first product, like this big product that you'd invested a lot of your time and energy into? How did you overcome that failing and move forward?
1: So it was definitely hard to, you know, put that much effort and you're so excited and you, you put your Etsy shop together and you just expect all these sales to come in. And when they don't, Yeah, it's just the worst feeling ever. Um, There was like a part of me that thought I should ditch the whole thing and just take it for what it was. I lost money, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. But there's always been like this entrepreneur side of me that wants to be successful and wants to have a business. And I really wanted it to succeed. So I just started researching and figuring out what I needed to do to make it succeed. So once I decided it's what I wanted to do, I just did whatever I needed to do to make it happen. And that meant changing my vision and that's hard to accept, but if you want to be successful, I think you have to be willing to adapt like that.
0: Very important. Yeah. So you mentioned your son's eczema, your own skin concerns. What are some of the products you came up with to meet those needs?
1: So for first of all when I created my products I was looking at ingredients. I was thinking, okay, what are the ingredients to solve acne? What are the ingredients to solve eczema? You know? And I didn't realize that that's the wrong way to look at this. This is that's more of like a DIY kind of way to look at it. Um, but once I started learning about the anatomy of the skin and what your skin actually needs and why those things are happening, that's when, um, I was able to make the right products. It didn't, the ingredients are important, but it's the type of product that you're creating. Like it needs to be intentional. And so, um, with, for like acne, it's it's kind of simple. People think that everything with skincare needs to be complicated, but it all relates back to your skin barrier. So if your skin barrier is compromised, if it's not healthy, if it's not strong, then you're going to have different things result from that. And so um, acne is just one of those things. So if you strengthen your skin barrier and you replenish it, you protect it and um, you do those things, then good things come from that. So it, it didn't mean using you know, harsh ingredients on my skin. It meant taking a more gentle approach and finding out where the problem comes from to begin with. And that was the same thing with my son's eczema. So there's a lot of different products, <laughs> but it addresses those things.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's that's definitely I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration when they're dealing with their own skin problems. They're they're just they have acne and they're just scrubbing away at it, trying to get rid of it. But yeah, yeah, if, if it's a, if it's an issue with their skin, like you said, the, the barrier between Mm -hmm. like the outside world and it's getting inside their pores, then yeah, that's, that's going to cause problems.
1: Right. Yeah. So that kind of, I mean, it changed a lot of things um, for my company. I realized I wanted to, it wasn't yes, I I am a natural skincare company, but, um, I wanted a gentle approach and I wanted to be able to care for those people who have sensitive skin, which is like a really more people have sensitive skin than I realized. And it's like always from different things or different causes, but I just wanted skincare that everybody could use, you know,
0: for sure. Yeah. So what's, what's the most important thing you've learned about starting a home-based business?
1: Okay. So um, if you're being realistic, I mean, when you start a business, you, like I said, I mean, I failed the first time around. So you have to be willing to adapt and be willing to roll with the punches. And sometimes maybe it is a great idea, but maybe there was a flaw somewhere and people will find it. Like (laughs) they are not afraid to leave a bad review or point it out to you. So um, instead of, you know, becoming frustrated or thinking, oh, this is, that isn't going to work. You just take that and you learn from it and you grow from it and you change processes or you make changes to the actual product. And so you kind of have to put that pride away and be open to doing whatever it needs, whatever you need to do to make the business succeed. So uh, maybe just going into it with an open mind um, and realizing that you're probably going to fail a lot more than you succeed in the beginning, you know, you are going to work out all those processes and everything's going to, you know, come, come together nicely after you fail, you know, it's like, you just have to learn from those and they have to happen. You just, you don't come up with a perfect business right from the bat. So, and I'm sure, you know, too.
0: Yeah, I've, I've had plenty of bad reviews of my own for my books and, that's really just an opportunity to make them better. Like I I tell this story in a lot of the, the writing conferences that I go to. My first book, I didn't hire a professional editor. I just relied on some friends to read it and give me reviews, which while they did give me a lot of helpful feedback, they didn't catch this one part where I had a character die and then a few pages later, she was alive again. And so I had an accidental zombie (laughs) and it wasn't until I'd sold some copies of this book and people were just like, what is going on here? Why is she alive again? You killed the wrong person. Oh no. no." So I had to like completely go through and resubmit the manuscript to my printer and get new copies out. And yeah. But now, now those editions are like collector's editions for some reason, but
1: <laughs> awesome. it's
0: okay. It turned into a good experience, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah but like now you have a different process. And when you go to publish a book, you'll know, like, I need to do this and this to make sure it comes out right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's an opportunity for learning.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Yeah. Who's inspired you most in your business journey?
1: So. Um, I will tell you the last few months were rough for me. Um, I was just beginning to feel like I was kind of sinking as far as there's so much work that needed to be done. Like I was excited to be growing, but I felt like my abilities weren't growing with it. Like I was just working as hard as I could all day, every day. And it just was never enough. Right. Like I just couldn't catch up. And so I, a friend of mine recommended listening to um, Jenna Kutcher. I don't know if you've heard of her. She has a podcast and it just like changed everything for me. And I'm not just exaggerating like, or trying to promote her in any way, but like um, if you are feeling like this at all, like listen to her because um, I realized that there were all these things that were in my control that I had just let slip out of my control that I was just so consumed with all these little things that I wasn't looking at the big picture. And so I realized I needed to reprioritize, focus my business, increase efficiency and make a plan of what I wanted to do to move forward. And then um, figure out what my goals were. And then once I did that, it changed everything. Like I revamped my business and things were moving smoothly. And now like I go to bed and I don't feel like, Oh, I have so much to do tomorrow. I didn't accomplish anything today. You know, I go to bed feeling like, okay, okay you know, I've got this, I, I got everything done that I needed to that day. Um, and so yeah, that's the, I really enjoyed her podcast and that that's honestly where I really truly felt inspired by someone.
0: That's great. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice that you received?
1: Um, so, okay. So she tells this story. She says, um, a friend came up to her who had her own business and she was struggling and she said, you know, I'd really love some advice. And she said, well, do you want the truth? And she said, of course. And she said, you are wasting so much time on the things that you want to succeed versus the things that will make you succeed. So like, why are you spending so much time creating these awesome Instagram stories and giveaways and fun, cutesy things when you make twice as much off of every email that you send to your subscribers? And I realized that I was doing that. Like I was focusing on all these smaller things and especially the things that I wanted, you know, like the things I enjoyed. And I, so I was just setting myself up for failure, but um, she told her friend that every day you need to tackle like that big project um, or big hurdle that needs to be done. And you'll know exactly what that is. Cause it's the thing that you want to do least usually like, it's that thing that you put off and avoid. Um, but once you do it, you can, you feel like you've conquered the world. Like it's the best feeling ever. And so I started doing that. And for me, that big thing is usually making, spending four or five hours making a ton of product. And if I don't have the product, I can't sell it. And so it doesn't matter how much I market myself, like that product, it has to get done. And I can't just wait till the middle of the night to start it. So um, once I started doing that first, taking care of that, then all those smaller things just kind of fell into place and my day just goes so much smoother. So that was the best advice that I have had.
0: That's great advice. Yeah. You, it kind of ties in. I've, I've heard similar advice where you need to focus 80% of your efforts on the 20% of your business that makes the most money. Yeah. Which really struck me as odd when I first heard it, because you know, what about that other 80%? It's like, mm-hmm. well, the, that 20% that makes the most money is making the most money. And that's where you need to be putting most of your efforts. So for me, that's, that's my, my online sales actually on my, on my website is where most of my revenue comes from. It's, I have merchandise on my website. And so I started promoting that through, you know, ads on Facebook or whatever, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. supplement the books that I write. But like, yes, my, my books are my passion and all of that. And like you're saying, you're, you're spending all that time on what you want to be making the money. But if that's just not happening and not realistic, then like you, you do have to be realistic about your business. or You're not going to succeed.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You totally understand. So it does make a huge difference when you look at it that way and actually do it, you know, it's one thing to talk about it, but when you do it, like it makes such a difference.
0: Yeah. So of all of your products, if I was going to try just one, which like I have purchased some of your products before and they've all been great, but for, for listeners who are just going to be trying for the first time, which one should they start with and why?
1: So I feel like this is not only my best product, but it's a product that everybody needs and it's the honey oat milk cleanser. And there's a huge story behind this cleanser, but long story short, it started out as this cleanser that a lot of people liked and I had to take it off because I learned that it just wasn't doing justice for your skin. Like it, it was just off in some ways. And so I spent the next five months, like it took me forever to make this cleanser and I had to work with a lot of the chemists who manufactured the ingredients that went into it. Like it had to meet all these criteria. It needed to be gentle. It needed to have certain ingredients. It needed all these things. Um, and when it finally came together, because it failed a lot, um, it, it's amazing. So it starts out as like this creamy honey consistency. And you just, when you apply it, it just melts away all the dirt and oils and makeup. And then you add water and it just transforms into a light oat milk and it just rinses off. And it's, it's so soothing and so nice. Like, I feel like everyone could appreciate that kind of product. Um, oh, and it doesn't have any fragrance or essential oils. Cause I try to avoid that, but it smells just like a sugar cookie. It's so crazy, <laughs> but yeah, that one's a good one.
0: That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Where can, where can people find you online?
1: So here's some exciting news. My website is going to be completed any day. So by the time you hear this, then it will be open. It's um, lavender meadows co and com. And then I also have my Etsy shop, which is lavender meadows co. <laughs> and when you search it on Etsy, it has to be all one word lavender meadows co. <laughs> I don't know why, but Anyway, yeah, so definitely find me. You can also get some great tips on just skincare in general. I know we briefly touched on it, but um, there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions out there about what your skin really needs. And it's really, it's kind of simple. So definitely check it out.
0: Great. Well, thanks again for joining me. It's been, it's been a pleasure talking with you.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks, Sierra. I really enjoyed this. So thanks for having me. Last but not least, let's talk about
0: barefooting. In barefoot news today, golf is one of those sports that I consider pretty boring to watch. Unlike a hockey or football game, you're supposed to just stand or sit there quietly and you clap politely, but you don't cheer like you do in other sports. One fan decided to change that at the Phoenix Open. While Jordan Spieth was getting ready to putt on the 17th green, a spectator dressed like a barefoot Borat stood up on his chair, which then broke. He fell backwards and the crowd laughed. After Spieth's putt got the ball down the hole, he pointed at Borat, which caused the fan to become very excited. He got up and started running around, nearly toppling into other spectators. Security guards and a police officer arrived and attempted to get him to settle down, and when he didn't, they asked him to leave. Borat then attempted to jump into the water. At this point, he was arrested. In a statement to the Arizona Central, Jordan Spieth said, he was dressed like Borat, so definitely came to have a good time. I don't think he's having a great time right now. The one time something exciting happened at a golf game and I missed it. (laughs) That's all for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with another interview, this time with Barefoot Jake Brown. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at sierrathebarefoot, on Facebook as sierrathebarefootgirl, on Twitter at Barefoot, and on TikTok at SierraIsBarefoot. You can follow the podcast itself on Instagram at Barefooting with Sierra. All of my books are available on Amazon. My comments are available on Instagram at World of Possums and Patreon.com/slash Pete. Thank you to Legion X for the intro and outro music. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And please share it with a friend if you've enjoyed it. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.